I can't believe it's my question already, Jacob. <laughs> it's weird. It comes up every other week. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it just seems like it's going so fast. But I want to know, Jacob, how do you know what questions to ask? <laughs> That's a hard question. I know. You know, it's funny as a admin team where that's one thing that we're really pushing at our campus is really talking about questioning so I can take this multiple levels. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. There's hang on. You probably know the book, but of course I'm going to recommend a book if we're talking about questioning. What book? I tried to recommend this to someone earlier. I get so I gave this to someone and I don't have another copy. I don't I might have one in my library at home. But there's a there's a book that talks about like the like the four levels of questioning. It's like it's like the close reading book. Do you know what book I'm talking about? Yeah. Close reading. Do you know the name of it? <laughs> Just... See if I can look over my Oh, it's the text dependent questions. Yep, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a, they have a, an you know for older grades, and they have them also yeah. for younger grades. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's two books, and I know we have a lot of elementary listeners, so definitely go grab it. Um, the elementary one is K through five, and then after that, it's secondary. Um, so truthfully, when I was starting to work on questions. And, and get better at asking questions. That book was what did it. Um, huh? And I, I don't remember if we were like told to read it in our district. We probably were. Uh, but I remember yeah. working with my academic coach and he wanted me to kind of read it. And then when he knew when I told him I liked it, he wanted me to demonstrate it for one of the district walks that was happening. Um, and it was kind of cool because I really mm-hmm. liked doing it because it basically, you know, the way I kind of distill it, and this is a really simplification of a, of a really great text, but the way I think about it is, you know, your level one question is kind of like your comprehension question. Level two is getting a little bit deeper and then level three, a little bit deeper. And then four, you're reaching kind of the, the thematic pieces, the more abstract thoughts. So each question should go from concrete to abstract, essentially from one to four. Now you can be more than that, but the book kind of lays it out that way in a way that I really just, I just, it just kind of became muscle memory. Um, and I do it. I, when I was creating lesson plans, often that's what I would do is I would read a text and my first question to myself was, okay, so what is it about? Right. Um, and then just kind of go from there. Um, and what I did uh, regularly as a teacher is I would get my craft book out and I would get a piece and I would kind of go through it as if I was teaching it and just kind of think of questions. And I would end up with like maybe six or seven, depending on the text or how long it was, maybe more, maybe less. Um, and then I would go, okay, so what are the four that I definitely want to hit? Um, and I would kind of get those and then I would just keep the other ones off to the side. Sometimes I used them. Sometimes I didn't. Oftentimes I would just kind of generate questions as the class went based on their discussions. But I always had four that I made sure we hit um, or maybe three, like I said, depending on the text. Um, and that book was a huge pivotal moment for that. Um, that really taught me that process. But truthfully, when it comes to just asking questions, this has been something that I've had to do in multiple ways as an admin, uh, that are like doing it in difficult situations, right? Having a phone conversation with a parent that may be upset about something, maybe said something I did, maybe upset about something a teacher did, maybe upset with something the school or the district did and being able to ask questions, uh, to, to not just understand, but to really build that bridge of communication. Um, because I would say 95% of problems in education like that, uh, can be solved with better communication. Now it doesn't mean everyone's going to like each other by the end of that, but just being able to ask questions that are meaningful, uh, on the spur of the moment is a good teaching skill to have. It's also just kind of a good life skill. And so, that second piece is being asked questions during confrontation, ask questions when I feel like I'm absolutely right, but I want to force myself to try to understand the other side. Um, that is a difficult process that I'm still going through, but I, in general, it really just comes from authentic listening and a, and a true drive to and build a bridge in a, in a conflicting situation, you know? 
Uh, nine, mm-hmm. I would say the, the most contentious meetings I have these days are when a parent is upset with a teacher and I kind of have to mediate because as an educator, I know that that teacher probably did everything that I would have done in a lot of instances, um, out of context and from a parent's perspective. And as an admin, you can kind of see this. You're like, well, I understand why they could be upset about something. Uh, it doesn't mean the teacher did anything wrong. It just means that there is a disconnect between just the business and reality of what it means to teach, you know, 30 to 150 students a day. Um, and what that might look like to a parent who may be upset with how grading's done, how assignments are posted, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so with that said, there in those moments, it really pays to kind of get everyone to kind of speak and ask questions that clarifies their, their meaning and to really hone in on that. And it's almost, you know, when you're asking someone who's upset to clarify their upsetness and get them to articulate that, it almost defuses situations. Uh, but it allows you to really hone in on, okay, so we're going down a rabbit hole. That's not really the option. We're, no, we're not going to do that. So I'm going to ask a different question that gets us more back to the point. Um, and I, there's there's great people that are really good at it. But uh, I think... To, to kind of wrap up my answer, I guess, is uh, it, it's really comes down to authentically wanting to know the answers and, and knowing how people think through things. So if you're a teacher, knowing how a kid might interact with the text and going through that thought process yourselves and trying to plan as best you can for that. I think that's how you get to some really good answers. And then obviously making sure you have models that um, are connected to rigor uh uh, of your grade level and of your text and with what you want kids to learn. All right. Very good. <laughs> I took notes. I hope y'all did too. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome everybody to craft and draft. I'm Pam Ochoa. That's Jacob Chastain and Jacob, if you'll take it from here, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're going to hit, uh, an interesting topic inspired by my, life and admin, of course, but we're going to talk about how to have a great observation. And I've, you know, obviously experienced this on one end of the spectrum and you have experienced it. I think you have a running joke that says you always get observed no matter what you've been teaching for longer than pretty much anyone at any school. Okay. Okay. Hold the presses, but this is the first year I have not been evaluated formally. I told the I told him at the beginning of the year, I said, I know that you think that you're going to observe me, but I got news. You're not. Not this year. No, I didn't say it like that. I I said, am I on your list? Because <laughs> I've been on everybody's list for years. And he goes, nah, you're good. <laughs> so I finally am on a list of just wave me on. Just kind of do a few walkthroughs. Be happy with me. We're moving on. I finally arrived, Jacob. 36 years. Well, I'm glad you did. Finally I finally arrived. I knew that AP was going to be good for y'all, but uh, you're, it is it is funny because it can be stressful. I know a lot of people stress out about it. As an admin, you know, I've interacted with people who seem very aloof with it. I've interacted with teachers who seem very into it, and I've interacts with teachers who are very nervous about the process. And so it could be, it's, it's just a nice thing to talk about every once in a while to really dive in and maybe help some people think through this from multiple perspectives. Someone like you, who's done it uh, several times under a bunch of different levels of observations and someone like me, who's been, you know, through the, the more recent iterations in Texas and then on the admin side of how, just how that tweaks um, some things and why, uh, Admin might be looking for some things. But before we get to all of that, I want to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by our very own listeners. We don't have ads on the show. We have people that support the podcast. They keep the lights on. They ask questions and they get hours of bonus podcasts. No one else hears access to training and free videos with their support that they get to watch. Go back to including our craft and drop episodes strategies to increase engagement in workshop and so much more. So if you want to be a part of that, go join us at the listener tier, listener plus tier on Patreon at craft and draft dot or patreon.com slash 
craft and draft or you can just go to craftdraftworkshop.com and click that patreon link it will take you to all of that but our supporters are alicia brandy leah mark amy sarah rebecca courtney carol Alyssa, destiny Lori, natalie susan tracy andrea hannah Lori, jen and matt and they are wonderful and thank them for supporting us they're absolutely incredible i think i'm going to be able to uh run into courtney here in a few weeks actually down in san antonio she's going to oh she's going to go to your thing yeah she's only a few hours out and so uh she had i think she's already registered but i think we're going to meet up you know beforehand and just have a meeting of the minds you know she's been on the podcast she's Mm -hmm. at all the training she's asked all the questions you know she's she's always a, a amazing person very much one of our people so it'll be nice to connect with them if other people want to come out there that'd be wonderful if you're closer to the denton area i'll be in denton uh the following so that so february 1st i'm in san antonio presenting at tc uh ela what is it called oh my goodness i forget the acronym all the time jesus lord I'm, I'm such a bad presenter but regardless that's posted i've shared it all over social media and then i'm in denton a few days afterwards so i'm gonna be putting some miles on my car but that's okay because i'm talking about reading and writing with educators from all over and there's some amazing keynote speakers as well a lot of them i've had on the podcast so it'll be cool to see them uh in person not all of them uh have i met in person so it'll be good time no matter what but that's enough about me that's enough about all that let's get to the podcast Alrighty, Miss Ochoa, observations. How do you feel about them? I know you're not having one uh, now. Uh, I, I, in this day and age, though, what what do you think about observations? And is it different than how you thought about them maybe back when you started teaching, or uh, you know, kind oh, of in yeah. that time frame? It's changed over the years, uh, but you know, you still are heightened. You you want to make a good impression. And uh, it doesn't feel good when it starts to go south because you've got one kid that decides to not cooperate and you're like, oh, or when none of the kids cooperate and they all just stare at you and you ask a question and they stare at you and you're like, this is not how you were yesterday. (laughs) Today, they're just like zombies and you're going, no. So I've had, I've had uh, really good ones and I've, they're typically always good, but you have those moments. So you got to figure out how to get out of it. Um, but when I first started, we had to do four. Uh, you had the way it worked is you had two observations from your supervisor from the inside of the school. And then you had to have an outside observer come in from the district or somewhere else or somebody that they hired. And uh, there was a, a, fairly well-known educator for social studies because my I started out just like you did Jacob I taught Texas history my first year so I started in history like you did and um but this uh Miss Riley I remember her name is uh, Gail Riley and uh so many years ago but uh, she was very well renowned back then and she was one of my appraisers from outside and uh anyway I remember having a good appraisal she said I had potential I had potential. Then my my next year, the outside observer, his his comment to me was, and and that was one where my classroom management was that particular day. I had a few decided not to cooperate, and it was pretty rough. And I was really lost because it was like my second year, or actually, yeah, my second year to teach, and uh, didn't know quite what to do on that particular day. And his comment to me was. It doesn't matter. Always do something. Don't ever do nothing. And that was that's something that I've always stuck by. Always do something. And and uh, that was Dr. Jones. And uh, he he's still around, I know. But he was a reputable uh, outside observer. And my aunt, I actually worked. She was the su- my supervisor. My very first year was my aunt. And uh, she's a. Uh, Hard-nosed educator. I have ants everywhere. I didn't, I didn't know yeah. that. I, have to, I talked to literally for hours and hours. I've never heard <laughs> you that. You didn't know that? Yeah, my aunt, Shirley, she actually lives down the street from me over here. Um, interesting story. I was not certified in geography. However, my principal 
saw that I was a history major and said, okay, you're having a uh, geography was mandatory. And so she said, you're going to teach geography and, and, um, next year I've already got you hooked up. That's what you're doing. Well, I was telling my aunt at one of our family dinners and, you know, she was my appraiser, right. From the very first time ever. And so she's got a mind that's a steel trap. She doesn't forget anything. So this has been several years at this point. And, uh, Anyway, we're we're at a family dinner and mom goes, well, Pam is going to teach geography, Shirley. That's right up your favorite, uh, you know, your favorite thing, because that was what she did. She loved all that stuff. She was a history teacher anyway. And she goes, really? Geography, Pam? Are you certified? <laughs> she knew it's not certified. I thought I was going to get it. I didn't realize I wasn't certified. And she goes, you have to have a geography certification, too. And I was like, oh, no. So. I uh, took it upon myself to study, take take my own professional development courses in the summer. And I got a book and I read the textbook front and back and studied and I passed that geography test. And I walked into my principal about uh, six weeks into the semester because, you know, we didn't have it online where you get it quickly you had to wait for the mail to come in and I was sweating bullets I hadn't told anybody and I know I'm telling on myself but I did not want to lose this job I loved it it was fun I was teaching English and geography as a block class and I did not want to lose this gig and it was great and I was loving it and uh anyway I get my results and I, I passed really well it was a really you know I studied really hard because I didn't want to so I passed really well and uh, I walked in and handed that to her. I, I actually didn't walk into my principal. I walked into our HR and I handed it to the people and I said, I think you might need to have this. <laughs> she goes, oh my gosh, they had no idea because they hadn't checked. And so I took care of everything without anybody having to tell me to. And then my principal called me in and she said, Pam. I had no idea. And I said, neither did I until my aunt, who was my appraiser, <laughs> told me what I what certifications I needed. And she's like, oh, well, I'm glad she told you because now now you can do whatever you want. So anyway, that was kind of a funny thing. You know, a little extra on the observation. Sorry. I uh, all of that was really fascinating. I've never heard that story. Um, <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's funny. <clears throat> I'm sure people could guess this, but. Some of the stories you and I tell, <clears throat> sorry, some of the stories you and I tell, like we say them fresh on the show, but we share them with each other all the time. Often before we start talking on the podcast, we'll, we'll right. talk for 30 <laughs> minutes. Like, all right, well, we'll just say that again on the show. Um, but, you know, in terms of observations, um, they're funny to me because of how like there, there's definitely a community of people who dislike even the idea of teacher observations. Like they just, they, they mm -hmm. don't, they don't think they should exist. They think that, you know, if you, I guess if you're a teacher that you just don't need uh, to be judged in, in that way. Do you, do you sympathize with that idea at all? Or do you think that it's necessary? What, that they, that they, that they get worried? No, they, do you do you sympathize with the idea that they're the of the group of people who say that there really shouldn't be observations at all? Like, do you sympathize with that, or do you think observations are a necessary part of? Oh of, no, of I think they're necessary. Yeah. Why do you think that actually? Is? Actually, we like I told you, we did four way back when. So I mean, I've been observed and observed and observed all these years. Um, it's moved, you know. It, it's come and go in Texas. You know, it's gotten hard, gotten soft, gotten hard. But um, I think that we need to have observations because you've got to have some sort of data, if you will, to 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 ensure that the system in place that you're uh, well, I mean, from from let's just look at it from the, the top. Right. It's the superintendents. It's the, the school board. It's their school right? It's their district. They, they want things done a certain way. If, if you're a standard based, uh, if you're a standard based district and you want your people to teach the standards of, you know, whatever your particular organization has determined. And here in Texas, we teach the Texas state standards, but if that's what you want, then you got to make sure it's happening. And the only way that you can do that is to actually go in and see 
that it's happening. So you need to have some system in place to ensure that all the students have an equal and fair uh, balanced type of uh, educational system that they can can um, probably trust and rest assured that they're getting what what they uh, are supposed to. Uh, I don't know if I said that right. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, I guess I can see why someone would say, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional and I shouldn't be evaluated like this, but it's also like, I mean, every there's, there's evaluations in every industry, isn't there? Like every, that's mm-hmm. the whole point of checks and balances, right? Like well, it's accountability. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's now, is there toxic ways to do it? Of course, there's toxic ways to do anything, but there's, I mean, if I'm sending my kid to school, I trust that the teacher is doing their best to help my kid because I believe that most people are genuinely trying their best in whatever work that they're doing. That's my optimistic standpoint. However, uh, I also know that there are people who are not equipped to do the jobs that they do in any industry. I know that there are people who are not made to do the jobs that they're doing in any industry. Uh, there's people who are miserable and that makes them bad at what they do. There's people who don't have the skill set There's people who aren't supported there. I mean, there's, there's all this. And so if there was no accountability with observations or kind of that just next level, then we, there would be no recourse for families really for a teacher who mm-hmm. might be doing the wrong thing willingly or, 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 you know, knowingly or unknowingly. Right. And so that's, that's kind of what it's built for is kind of just those levels. You know, my boss keeps an eye on my work to make sure that I'm serving, uh, students, teachers, and families the best that I can. And if she thinks I should do something differently, she tells me that's a part of, you know, me being rated and that, that ensures, you know, quality at my level. Um, it just keeps going. And so, it's it's an interesting idea, but yeah, I definitely think they're a necessary evil. And so um, with that, no, like, I, go ahead. No, well, like I told you, that very first one, uh, not the the actually that second appraiser that was outside, Dr. Jones, when he came in and told me, you know, always do something. I mean, th- that was a valuable, even though that seems like that's yeah, of course, it seems obvious. But that's kind of like telling somebody who is on the back of a boat to let go of the rope when they're skiing. They don't. If you don't tell them, they don't let go when they fall and they get drugged. I mean, that happens all the time. So it seems obvious, you know, that that, you know, do something. But he had to, he had more follow up with that, you know, within the guidelines or whatever. But don't sit there and let those kids do whatever they want. Don't do nothing. Well, that particular piece of information would have never come to me if I did not have that observation. And not only that, he was doing it for my well-being. Does that make sense? And I have always said, well, I'm going to do something. I, I've always done something, whether it's an email home or a phone call home or a move the kid or, you know, remind them of the, the rules in classroom management. But that would have never happened. And it was really life-changing for me, actually. And it was from an observation. My So I, I have to ask, Ochoa, because I've... I think my worst observation is uh, well documented and I'll share it here for people who haven't heard it in a minute, but uh, it's documented in teach me teacher. I've, I've talked about it on several shows. Um, but what do you have a, a specific observation that haunts you to this day? Is, is there one? I know you're an incredible educator you might not have one, but is is there one that in your head you think about and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe that was that was an observation. Yeah, there was one that um, that I, I mean, I don't know. I've got, I've got there's so many of them. I mean, I can't. I have every one of them actually. I have every one of them. I have my very first observation, and I can walk over to my file cabinet over there and get it. I, I've I've got all of them. As far as like me being graded uh yes i always have had very good evaluations there was one time where i felt like 
the evaluation was being used, if you will, as a weapon. And I've been targeted and I don't really want to talk about that one because I think the lesson was really, really good. And it was a lesson that I had presented to many people in several conferences. And uh, it was a geography lesson, but it was one that I was doing for National Geographic. I used to I used to go around and work with them and work with the Texas Alliance for Geographic Education. And I would teach teachers about geography. So I did that as well. And uh, so this was one of those tried and true lessons. And it went really well. What happened was the uh, particular observer told me that my kids were not learning. And I, I did disagree with them. I said, they are learning. And they said, I said, how do you know they're not learning? And and she said, well, they're not answering my questions. I said, well, they were answering my questions. I didn't design the lesson for them to answer <laughs> your questions. I designed it for them to let enter. And they were answering my questions and they passed the test. And her comment was, well, but you created the test. And so we had a big disagreement. So that was probably my worst situation that occurred. But as far as like something like really happened in the classroom that was horrible. I think the day that all of those kids, I asked a question and they all stared at me and nobody spoke that, that that was the worst one because there's nothing worse to get up there. And you're sitting there, this is a class. I thought they would be great because they're, they were like one of my best classes, but I think they were afraid of the principal. Does that make sense? And they froze and nobody would they wouldn't comment. They were not their natural selves and they were, they froze. And I was like, I mean, it was everything I could do. I was talking about questioning. I was, I was even like, what color shirt do you have on? I don't care. Just give me an answer. (laughs) That kind of thing. And they were like, just staring at me. And so she was like, so I had gotten dinged, if you will, on um, relationship in the classroom because the kids just, I mean, and then the next day, I'm like, why did y'all do that? And they go, we don't know. <laughs> they felt bad, but they, it was a group. It was like a, like the whole group just got, they got quiet. Either I didn't teach it to begin with and they didn't do well because they really didn't know the answers or I, I have no idea, but it was, uh, it, it was a mess. My, you know, when it, when it comes to the, idea i think about it all the time about just kind of a lesson collapsing because um it happens to everyone if it doesn't you're not trying hard enough uh and there is there is an aspect of teaching that is really hard to articulate right because it's in in a lesson format, right? You're talking about all of the variables that are coming together. You're talking about putting people in a room and going, all right, let's hope we're going to get through this in a way that is somewhat <laughs> intelligible. And I just think back to, uh, you know, when, when I was a new teacher, my idea of what great teaching was, was mostly, if not entirely focused on the teachers that I had, which teaching had changed by the time that I was in the classroom and the teachers that I was working with. So I had a great co-teacher who is literally one of the best teachers I've ever seen teach, been a part of whatever. I was using a lot of her lessons, right? She was a great mentor. She would be like, hey, we're going to do this. It was very interactive. All of her stuff was interactive. The problem was, as a new teacher, I wasn't good at controlling interactive activities, right? Because that, that's that's one piece. I think that's why workshop is difficult, too, is because it's mm-hmm. it's very interactive. There's, it's, there's a lot of elements. There's a lot of hidden, hidden elements that makes workshop work. And that's the same thing for really interactive activities. And so... I had this lesson and it was, I don't remember the key pieces of it. I was teaching us history at the time, but we were in, I was in this portable and I had these areas where these groups were supposed to go. And so they had like chart paper that they're supposed to be doing something on. And I was like, it's gonna be a great lesson. I just saw it the day before I'd kind of took my notes and I was like, this is going to be amazing. And so it sets it up. She comes to my principal comes to 
my worst class, <laughs> also my biggest class and my favorite class. Right. It was all of those things. I love this class. You know, it's that group, right? The ones who drive you up the wall. They're they're insane, mm-hmm. but they're they're awesome and great kids. And um, I'm, I'm still in contact with a lot of them. They're adults. Um, but we do this lesson. I'm literally standing in the middle trying to like orchestrate stuff and kids are like running around. They I didn't set it up right. So there's a thousand questions coming at me. They're like, oh, my God, there's kids like they had to use like matte pencils on stuff and they're throwing matte pencils at each other, like across the room. And this is why the person's in the room. Yes. And so I'm standing there and I'm like, oh, my (laughs) God. And I just see her in the corner with her laptop and she like we make eye contact for (laughs) for like, you know, 30 (laughs) seconds. And I'm just like, you know, I know it's bad. She knows it's bad. The kids have no idea what's happening. There's no learning going on. And it's, I mean, it is, it is an absolute hot mess and there was no coming out of it. I I had no, I had no skill set to, to get everyone back. I didn't have a quiet signal yet. Uh, This is maybe, I feel like it was before Christmas. I want to say this is fairly early, but I I still hadn't even gotten that piece yet. Um, It was just chaos, literally chaos. And I'm just like, well, this is my life for the next 55 minutes. And it was horrible. And you know what, though? The, The best thing that my principal did is we sat down in her office, you know, however many days later, gave me, you know, kind of like the rundown. And I was like, yep, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she goes, can I show you a few things that would that I think would help you? And I was like, please. And literally right there. I mean, we, I was in her office for a while. She showed me um, I think it was the teach like a champion guy is actually what I think. Oh, uh, I think she handed yeah, me she, she gave me the book, but then she showed me some of his videos. Um just when it came to just his classroom management style and stuff. And, and then she showed me some other stuff that was really cool. And she was like, I, she's like, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm telling you to figure out how to do something like this. Right. And it was good. Mm -hmm. It was what I needed. And then I ended up partnering with my academic coach. We worked really hard on quiet signals, management, uh, all of this other stuff. Uh, I did a couple lessons with him, both in planning all the way through and then kind of redoing it. And then a few weeks later, we redid my my observation. It was good, right? It wasn't a perfect observation, but it was pretty good, Um, especially considering the first one that happened. Uh, And so that experience shapes so much of what I think about in terms of observations, how I think about other teachers, because it's I've I've lived it like when I have been like kids were literally jumping out of my window in my portable on the regular. Like it wasn't. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was, I don't know. It was, I don't know if I want to know more. I'm telling you like, so when, when people tell these stories, like when they're like, Oh my God, like I'm bad. It's like, you can come back from anything. You can recover. Oh yeah. If you put in the work. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? You you brought up two memories, if you don't mind. If go I ahead, if go you're ahead. okay if I share them. These are not observations, but if I would have been observed, I probably would have been fired. But uh, I don't know what happened. But you know how when kids will get like little rubber bands, you can't really see them. And they find somehow somebody's robbed your desk of, of all the um, paper clips, not paper clips, but uh, staples. So I was in a room. It was like, it was a very narrow, used to be an old business where they used to do typing and you could observe the kids typing or whatever. It's just like, it was like a very narrow room, but it had blinds on both sides and you could hear, I mean, I lost control, I guess. And the kids were like, bing, bing, bing. You can hear all these staples just hitting off. I was like, oh. I couldn't figure out who was doing it. I couldn't see them. I didn't. I knew it was the whole class. It wasn't. I would. That was when I was probably I was in my early 20s. It was a bad moment. They were all high school kids. And here I was I'm just about maybe five years or six, seven years older than them. It was not good. But another one, this was an observation. And we were doing reading time. And I had I had modeled my classroom. And I had uh, after. 
um, Nancy Atwell's classroom. Like my husband had made the easel. I had the rocking chair. When I say I modeled it, I had the, I, I had the pillows and, you know, and so I kept, I kept all these pillows in a box. And so the kids would go get a pillow and then they would go and sit and read. And I had seventh graders. Well, anyway, we all were in a book. Everybody, when I say they were all reading, it was a hundred percent. Everybody was reading to the point that me, I was even reading. We were all reading to the point that I think she had, my observer had been there. I know probably she said about 10 minutes. Nobody looked up. Everybody was reading. And what caught my eye was a kid climbing out of the box with the pillows. And I look up and she sat there watching, taking notes. I didn't even know she was in the room. Anyway, later on, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's got to be terrible. But she was like, I had never been in a room where 100 percent of the kids were participating so much that nobody until that kid popped up, nobody had looked up. But he was in there reading. He was reading a book. He had just decided, I guess, to put it down or something and get another book. But anyway, it was funny. But we were doing reading time. We were so involved. Yeah. But she, I got a good. That was a walkthrough. But anyway. Oh, my goodness. So in any case, let's let's take these stories and now let's <laughs> let's see if we can help some people, because there, there's probably people who have been in similar situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're in them now. Maybe they're in them in their past. I don't know. But when it comes to like setting yourself for a quality observation, what do you what do you think are kind of the the go to ways to do that? What, how do you think about, you know, okay, so I'm being observed. Do you, do you mm-hmm. try to whip out your best stuff? Do you try to do, you know, your, your top tier level, uh, you know, lessons, or do you, do you try to go for a more, this is, this is my good stuff, but this is the, this is the stuff that you're going to see more often than not. In other words, do you, do you take it to the next level for the observation or do you, do you try to make it a little bit more realistic? Which one do you think is a, is a better method? Well, when I was younger, I would probably do the, what people call the dog and pony show. Not that I, not that it's not that I wasn't doing stuff every day. It was just, that's kind of how you did things. So that's why they changed the whole system and included all the walkthroughs and things like that. Uh, because somebody would do that and then they'd never come back and everybody thinks you're great. So, uh me personally, I think it's best if if you try to make sure you do good things every day, if you will. I mean, it's not that you have to be on on target all the time, but I mean, if you, there just should be something that you follow. So one of the first things, let's just kind of go here. I um, I think one of the first things you have to do is know what's expected of you. I mean, if you're going to have a good evaluation, you got to know what's expected. If they are expecting to see certain things on the wall, you probably need to go ahead and make sure they're up. And you don't wait till somebody tells you, you do it ahead of time. Kind of like when I told you, I found out I was not in compliance. I found they, I, I told them I was not in compliance by getting in compliance. Does that make sense? In other words, I didn't wait for somebody to tell me I need to get into compliance. I, I did it as fast as possible. So I would say if there are certain things that are expected, you need to make sure you're doing those. Um, for example, word walls, things like that. You know, I just, and that might be something you don't use every day, but if you want to make sure that's not a ding against you, you got to do what's expected. That's just, that's just ba- basic, uh, teaching, I think, or surviving in, in an educational world. Then next, that's like doing your paperwork, right? And, and, and you have to make sure that you look at, you know, your assessments. If you're already doing um, backwards design, where you are creating your assessments with your team, then, uh, or even just if it's you, if you're creating your assessments before you do your unit, then that's what you should use. You should use, you know, your assessment should be based on your standards, right? So then you fall back on that. So you should, when you're planning, you should just continue going with what you had planned and you should follow the standard. Uh, our district wants that standard somehow posted or written up. Um, 
So usually when, because of that, when they come in, I make sure that I state the standard and I teach some words out of that standard. If the standards analyze something, then I say, well, we're going to analyze figurative language. Then I make sure they, I address, or I have the students tell me after I've already addressed it, because usually I, I've already addressed it. So I might just work that into my, in, into my thing. So that might not be something I do every day, but I do it almost, I mean, I do it every day, uh, when I introduce a standard, I go through, I put it on the board. You've seen my boards. They're posted everywhere. And so uh, I'll just, I like to write it up, but it'll also be on my canvas. But I'll just put it up there when I first address it. And I say, okay, um, this is what analyze means. And so when they're in there, I've already taught all that. So a lot of times when they're in there, I'll say, okay, Sally, can you tell me real quick what analyze means? Okay, what are we learning right now? Figurative language. All right, that's exactly what's up here. That's our standard. So I make sure that they know that the kids know because that's one of our expectations. And then from there, uh, I do whatever I want to make sure I do. You know, so like if we start with reading, then I'm going to start with reading. I'm not going to, I'll have everything posted and then we'll do reading and then we'll respond. And then um, if that's the day that I'm doing that. And then I make sure there's a mini lesson in that mini lesson. We go back over that standard real quick and then we go through and I do the mini lesson with them and make sure it's interactive. It's important that the kids are as interactive as possible and that you include them as possible. Uh, what I mean by that is uh, always have them share or discuss something. So a good thing that you always that I've I found to be pretty foolproof is that you find a point in your lesson, even in your mini lesson, in your 15 minute mini lesson, if that's what you're doing, you stop and you have them discuss something. OK, so like if it's analyze how the author uses figurative language, you can show a little passage and say, OK, uh, talk to your neighbor about what figurative language did you notice? They do that. And then they talk back. OK, what do one of y'all you know, tell me what your partner just said. You know, you do something like that. Well, now they can't say, your observer can't say that your kids are interacting because you have made sure that they are interacting. You can do a little formal assessment that way, something like that. And then they got to go and work. And so then from there, that's that's when they go into the workshop mode. And so they'll, they'll either be writing or, or reading or whatever it is I've asked them to do uh, or whatever we're working on. And then we do a little, always make sure there's some kind of concluding activity. So you need to have a, a concluding activity, could be a little exit ticket, could be a shout out. One of the things that I've been doing here lately is I say, okay, give me three things that y'all learned today. And I go down and say, I'll just call on them randomly. And every day I kind of call on somebody different randomly. I've been doing that lately and it's just kind of helped a lot. And then I've also included exit tickets. So my students right now, this is something new that I've started this semester. And there's an exit ticket and the exit ticket is a Google, Google form. And that Google form says, you know, your name and the date, whatever. And then it, and then it'll say, uh, what did you learn today? And how can you apply it to your reading and how can you apply it to your writing? And they're putting it on a Google form and I'm using that as any kind of extra help. If they need extra help or anywhere like that, then I can, I can see if they've been actually participating in what they've been learning and I can give them credit. So, but I'm just saying, if you do those types of things, then you're not going to go wrong. Um, that's what I think. You know, <clears throat> truthfully, as an admin, mm -hmm. the number one thing that um, I realized is so. As, so first of all, from my perspective, what I try to do for the, the teachers that I work with is I fully explain not only what I'm going to do in their classroom. So I tell them, hey, I'm not going to sit in a corner um, forever. I usually do because I type uh, my observation because I can type faster than I can write. Um, and I capture everything that I can hear, see or whatever. I'm, I'm always, I'm jotting down times. I'm jotting down as many sentences as I can. I, I'm jotting down everything, um, as well as just clear observations. And so I do need a kind of a spot to sit, but I get up, uh, you know, a handful of times, um, especially if kids are working, I get up and I go sit with kids and I interact and, and I, get, uh, I, I go through that process, um, and I explain what it's going to look like. Um, and that way they kind of know and what I'm going to do, but beforehand, 
I also describe uh, how I look at the T-test rubric. So in Texas, for those of you who aren't in Texas, that's our, uh, you know, the little rubric that principals use to, you know, do their ratings and whatnot. Um, and I, I explain. Yeah, it's the rubric that nobody can arrive to. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, go ahead. And so uh, I explain how I think about it and and give some key pieces. And in our pre-conference, I, I go through that whole process to kind of ease some of that uh, and, and kind of let them know, but also give them some guidance on, you know, Hey, you know, this isn't like a typical, I'm walking in your classroom looking like there's a process. There is a way that we're trained to, to do this. Um, I actually like the T test process and the rubric. I think the rubric is a great model for great teaching. Um, it's a little unrealistic in terms of a snapshot. Um, but if you're just as a working document, um, I actually think it's pretty good, but, um, Mm -hmm. So I, I go through that and I, I do that because no one really ever did that for me. A lot of the stuff that I did was uh, as a teacher was just because I kind of learned it on my own. And it happened to work for me and work for the the rubric. But um, I go through that process so I can kind of give some people, you know, some tips, uh, some ideas to think through. Um, but truthfully, what I think teachers should do, and I'm interested to see what you think is, you know, if I was a second year teacher, third year teacher, first year teacher, um, or maybe even a 20 year teacher, you know, and I had a new admin or if district was really pushing some new stuff in that pre-conference, I would go. So I would go, okay. So in, if you're looking at instruction, I would go, what is it that you are looking for? What elevates something from proficient to accomplished, right? What, what, mm-hmm. what are the things that I need to do according to you, my appraiser, to elevate what I'm doing and going through that thought process and really drilling in because I think it, uh, it tells you a couple things as a teacher, right? It tells you how they're thinking. It gives you some clear ideas on what you should do, but truthfully, I think what it does is it builds rapport for you and your appraiser. Uh, and I think that is pretty valuable when it comes to some of that, because when, when I walk into a classroom and I'm appraising a teacher, or even if I'm just doing walkthroughs for with district or whatever, we, everyone knows it's just a snapshot. Everyone knows you're only seeing something at a very specific amount of time, uh, for, for at this particular lesson cycle, et cetera, et cetera. So you're not going to capture every piece that a teacher would do to get their kids to learn. But if you are doing best practice. If you're following, you know, getting kids to having a more student centered focused classroom, if you're using your standards, if you're having ways to collect data throughout the lesson that are tangible and that you can speak to, and that really inform your instruction, it doesn't matter what level of lesson you're at, uh, in a, in a 45 minute observation, you're going to see all those elements or you're going to see evidence that those elements that exist. Mm -hmm. And so like I had, I had a really great one. Like one of my uh, observations that I did, there wasn't a lot of collaboration during the piece that I saw, but it was clearly being set up to get there. So I could speak to that, um, which is what I do. I try to walk in and when I'm collecting evidence, I'm trying to gather as much information to basically say, okay, everything that I could pull tells me this, Um, It's not a, what do you lack? It's what do you have? And then once I say what you have, then we look at kind of where that falls on the rubric. And sometimes it's higher. Sometimes it's lower. It just depends on the day. It depends on all the other stuff. But truthfully, to get back to my question to you, just having that question, asking your appraiser, you know, what did it, what, how do you kind of level up on some of these things? I think it's a really powerful move. Have you ever done that? Well, yeah. I mean, I think, I think, um, Yeah. A lot of times they, the appraisers that I've had pretty much tell me, you know, I don't hardly give anything but proficient and I just, you know, you got to really, and then you're, but no, I never, I've never purposefully done the question. Like you're like the way you've asked, you know, like today, like, I think that's a great advice. I think, I think it can't hurt you, but yeah, I mean, that's what I meant by find out what their expectations are. Um, your district, maybe your so I think you, that's just another level to finding out what's expect, expected. 
And but I like I like how you worded it. How do I get to that next level in your you know, according to you, how can I get to that next level? What what are you looking for in order to be at that next level? And uh I think that's a good idea. I don't know if I've done it specifically that way, but in my pre-conference we we talk, they tell me what I tell them what I'm gonna do and and uh what my plans are and how my class works. Uh, another thing. When you're talking about showing, not not to throw you off, but talk going Uh through that process of saying, Hey, this is like express, like, so on one end, saying, Hey, I, what are you? what are you looking for? How to, what's your thought process through this? But also as the educator mm-hmm. saying, Hey, this is how I'm looking at these pieces in my classroom. I think that's just as valuable. I think it's a really important point. Yeah. And that's, that is what I do because they don't understand a lot of times, especially if you have somebody who's never done workshop, they don't understand what workshop is. So I, I have in my past, I don't, I don't like give them, I don't talk down to them. I'll just say, I just want to let you know, I do a workshop classroom. So what, what, um, what I'm doing here is these things. And I try to put the students into more of an experience. Like, for example, I'm not going to teach. I'm not going to teach. Um, like we're about to start doing argument, right? There's two ways you can go about doing that. You can give them all of these articles or all of these, you know, whatever it is, um, argumentative pieces. And you can have the kids take notes on the argument you know, what are the fallacies? What's this? What's pathos logos? You know, I mean, I know all of that. I could go and just drill all that into them first, right? Because, you know, that could be one way. And then, and then now I make them imitate that. Or I could have them create their own arguments, let them explore how it is that they make an argument and now take their experiences as my baseline. And now I teach them what it is they just did. And that's how I go about it. And that's not normal for some people. And so if, if that would be something an administrator might be expecting the other direction where you give them all the notes and then, but I'm more of a, let's experience it as a, you know, we just, we just wrote a playwright so a play. I put them, I, we wrote the play before we ever read the play we're going to read. And now I'm going, so why did you include that? And it's really helping out because this, the teachers, the, the students are going, oh, I see why they're, oh, I know what they're doing there because I had to do it in my piece. And that's, so it's more of an exploration kind of thing. It's the way I teach it. And then, you know, then they dive into it and then they create their own of all of these things. So I put them in the perspective of being a writer or being a reader. And so I want my I want my appraiser to know that's what I'm doing so that when they're looking at it, they're not looking at it like, well, they still do sometimes. Oh, why are they reading for 20 minutes? Which we've already, you know, dealt with that a few uh, podcasts ago. But uh, so, yeah, I like to tell them pretty much what they do. And another thing on our craft and draft or any kind of notebooks I've ever had, I've always made sure that both of them are out uh, and I want them to know that I'm using canvas. So I always make sure, you know, I want them to see that I'm using all of those things. So I make sure I incorporate that so that they can, I might not get all the way to it, but I'll say, all right, get your craft and draft books out. Cause today we're going to be doing this in the craft book, this in the draft book. Let's start in our craft book today, or let's start in our draft book, whatever is, whatever we're doing. But I make sure all that stuff is out because I want my appraiser to, when they walk around the room, because that's what they do now, they don't just sit in the back room where they used to. Now they kind of walk around and a lot of them will look and see what the kids are doing. Well, when, when they look at all the work that my kids are doing and how organized it looks and they see all those standards up there, well, that's evidence I'm doing standards every day. Uh, there was about, I guess it wasn't at our school where, where we worked together, but it was an appraisal that I had not too long ago before, you know, a few years before I started working with you. And, uh, anyway, I over going over the, over the, uh, standards, she said, she said, well, I would have given you, uh, distinguished on that, but I don't figure you do that every day. And I was like, but I do do that every day. And I went and got a kid's thing and I showed them, look, this is what we're doing every day. And she's like, she had to go back and rewrite wow. that because 
because my my craft and draft book proved that we go over the standards. I didn't just do that for her coming in. This is what we do. And here's the thing about administrators, Mr. Administrator. If these administrators But anyway, if these administrators would come to our rooms more often, and I know they're busy, I know, I know, I know they're busy. You've already shared how you can have a plan and it gets interrupted. But if they, every chance they could, if they could be in the hallways and see what's actually going on in our classrooms, then I think I think we would have a better, you mentioned it earlier, a rapport with our appraisers. Because if she, that particular person, had been in my room more often, she would have known. But but just the, the mere fact that she said, I would have, and she said it. I mean, she said, I would have given you distinguished, but I know you don't do this every day because nobody does. And I'm like, oh, hang on. I do do it every day. And this is why I... This is my evidence, but she didn't bother to, she just sat in that corner. She didn't get up and look. But if I have, if you have all of your evidence out there, right, then, and and I like what you said, if you would, if you took time in that pre-conference and asked those questions, when they said, do you have any questions for me? Then I think that's great. What do you want to see in order to get distinguished in these areas? What are you looking for? What do I need to do to make sure you see it? I think that's great. And just on an admin side, I know we don't have a lot of admin listeners on craft and draft, but Mm -mm. you know, my, I'm glad that I'm, I still, you know, most of my work is still talking to teachers. You know, that's what teach me teacher is. It's, it's our work. It's, 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 uh, you know, I'm not going around talking about leadership. I'm still going around presenting on, you know, teaching and everything else because it's, I think it's the heart of what we do. It's always going to be my focus, but the, when it comes to being an admin, um, you know, I think that and this really depends on who you have and the relationship you have with them. But I think yeah. asking them to really focus on some key things. The last question I ask in every single pre-conference, that last question I ask is, I say, regardless of how well this lesson goes, regardless of how planned it is, if I come in on the best day ever or everything falls apart and it's the worst lesson you've ever had in your entire life. What do you want me to walk away with regardless? What do you want me to see separate from T-tests? And the reason I asked that question is because it tells me a lot. It tells me what the teacher, if the teacher is thinking about anything that they're doing, right? In terms of like, are they growing in a, in a certain capacity? It tells me what they find important in their teaching, um, and it, it allows me to kind of break the barrier between uh, a very formal process and say, you know what, you I, I understand that, you know, you have to get evaluated and I have to use this rubric and it, we kind of have to go through this process. Um, but at the end of the day, you're a professional, you're a human being, you're, you're doing work that is very sensitive and important and uh contingent on so many factors. And so at the end of the day, I want to walk away saying, you know what, let's say, let's say your lesson collapses, right? Let's say you had a technology lesson planned and it all fell apart. Wi-Fi went down, you know, we've all had Mm -hmm. it happen. Let's say that happens, but I walk away going, you know what? She said she was working on a lot of collaborative conversations and for 15 minutes, technology didn't work, but guess what? She had some great conversations with kids or had kids having some great conversations. I can walk away with that. And I, I think it's so important. So in, while I can't tell administrators on this show really to go, Hey, you know, ask questions like that to try to walk away with something. I can encourage teachers to say, Hey, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have a, a last question for you, but you know, I'm really working on this. Can you give me some feedback on that when you're in my room, regardless of what it is? And, and I think that speaks to your professionalism. I think it speaks to your growth. And I think if you're someone who's struggling right now, maybe you have a really tough class. Maybe you, uh, are just not in a good place. Maybe you're a new teacher like myself and just didn't really know what you were doing. Whatever the case is, I think asking that question, puts a lot of good faith in the effort that you're putting in. So even if you're 
observation bombs, or even if it's incredible, it I think it really does a lot for you. Uh, with your administrators and, and for observations and stuff. So that would be my last kind of piece of advice or just observation, just kind of in my role, you know, for the last, you know, however many months, five months that I've been doing this is, is that, and as a teacher, I think I would have done that. Cause I've definitely had administrators who knew what they were looking at when they walked in my room. And I've definitely had administrators who said, Oh, I'll come after reading time or I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll come after writing time. And it's like, why would you, avoid the best times <laughs> like right. those are that I, i'm an english teacher that's what you should be watching <laughs> that's what i want you to see is the fact that my kids are reading writing and thinking yeah i think i think uh, if i had a last word for teachers i would say as you're creating your lesson design it in such a way that the kids are showcased That's all you got. That's your mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have anything else to say after that. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Crafted Draft Podcast. That's Pam Ochoa. I'm Jacob Chastain. We are two English teachers down here in the state of Texas doing what we love, talking about reading writing workshop. I don't think I said that part in the intro. So oh. if you enjoy this, if you like these types of conversations or other conversations around the work that we do in schools, subscribe so you don't miss anything. We drop an episode every single Friday. Join us on Patreon if you want more content, though. We have tons of bonus episodes that no one else hears unless you are a Patreon supporter. We have bonus trainings and so much more. Send a question to us, even if you are not a Patreon supporter. We love answering questions on the show. Maybe yours will get picked. Maybe not. Who knows? It depends on if we've answered a thousand times or if we want to round back to it. So send those our way. Come back next week for another fantastic conversation and know that we are here for you.